last evening, uh, Pastor Scott and his wife Cindy uh, took us out to dinner, and then they invited us to their home. And uh, they've got a beautiful home. They uh, had us sit at their dining table, and uh, uh, they had made a wonderful dessert that we shared together. And we just had open conversation around that table. It was a wonderful time. Uh, Our prayers are with you as you are in the midst of a uh, pastoral search, and uh, we continually remember the uh, elders and leadership and you as a congregation as you seek the Lord's will in this journey. Um, Could I just ask, how many here today would say, I grew up going to church? Can you just raise your hand? I grew up going to church. Okay, of those that have grown up going to church, how many would say, when I was young, my parents brought me to Sunday school as well? Okay, Um, I want to, in our text this morning, we're going to probably talk about one of the most common stories you've ever heard. And when I say, uh, when we talk about this story, Um, Some of you will have flashbacks of a certain Sunday school teacher. You may have flashbacks to these felt flannel graph characters. Um, This particular story even had a song that went with it. We're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus today. And uh, let me just read the text to us this morning. If you have your device, I'd invite you to turn to or open up to Luke 19. Uh, If uh, you want to use one of the Pew Bibles, it is on page 825. The first service, I uh, was using the English Standard Version, but this morning I want to read from the New International Version. Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, He looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay in your house today. So he, so Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him, welcomed Jesus gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I want to pray before we get into this message because it's going to be the easiest thing For you and I to say, "Ah, I know the story of Zacchaeus. It's a common story. There's nothing new. 
But I believe the Lord has something very new, very fresh for each of us that he wants us to hear today because he wants to change our hearts and our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we realize that um, all that I can do is simply speak and that message is only taken as far as a person's ear. But Holy Spirit, you're the one that takes it from the ear to the heart. And so we invite your presence. And Lord, during these moments, would you just create sacred space? Lord, free our minds from concerns that we may have, from distractions around us. Lord, speak to our hearts and enable us to respond so that we leave this place changed people because we've encountered the living God. In your name, amen. In looking at a story in the scriptures, it's always interesting to notice who and what and where are the events in which that story is set. So in Luke, particularly just in Luke 18, the writer tells us that Jesus and his disciples and those that are following Jesus, they're on their way to Jerusalem. And in fact, after this story, Luke 19 records Jesus's uh, triumphal entry into the holy city. And so Luke is helping us to see what is happening along that way. Now, we've jumped in at Luke 19, talking about Zacchaeus. But prior to this, just outside of Jericho, Luke tells us at the end of chapter 18, that as they're walking along this road, they pass a blind man. And this blind man sees the crowd and starts to cry out. And he cries out to Jesus, and he actually calls him son of David. And in his plea, he says, have mercy on me. Now, what's interesting is that, and if you can just imagine this crowd of people that are walking along the way, and they're on the outskirts of Jericho, and here's this blind person outside of the city, on the side of the road. So you can imagine the dirt, the heat, the dust. Here is this man sitting there. He can't see, but he can hear. And he hears that it's Jesus. And he says, son of David. He cries out to Jesus using this messianic title to which any Jewish reader is very familiar with that's referring to the Messiah. Now, probably you and I wouldn't do it, but as this blind man knows that Jesus is going by, he yells and yells, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Interestingly, those in the crowd say, shut up, be quiet. We're on the way to Jericho. What a peculiar response to this blind man. Jesus hears that cry of the blind man. Have you ever been in a crowd and somebody says your name and you turn and you're looking 
Somebody has said your name. You've heard it. Jesus stops, and those people that are telling this blind man to be quiet, he's, the scriptures say he commanded them to get him and bring the blind man to him. And Jesus said, what is it you want? And the man said, I want to see. And Jesus heals him. And he says, your faith has healed you. Luke tells us at the end of that chapter, just before he introduces Jesus in the story of Zacchaeus, he says, immediately the blind man received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw what happened, they also gave praise to God. Luke is not one to miss detail. And that gives us a hint on how to look at this story. So as Jesus enters into Jericho, Luke says Jesus' intention was to pass through the town. Jericho was a beautiful city. Jericho, they called it the city of palms. If you've ever been in the tropics or have you been someplace where the palm trees are, um, it was a gorgeous place. It was also a place of commerce. People would travel. People would come and do business. There was so much activity going on in Jericho. And Jericho was on the road to Jerusalem. So as he comes into Jericho, now Luke says that there was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and he was very rich, Luke tells us. And he wanted to see Jesus. It's interesting. Here's this tax collector, chief tax collector. He is wealthy, and yet he wants to see Jesus. So he, he climbs up a tree. Now, when I was a little kid in Sunday school, I heard that Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a we little man was he. Well, that's not politically correct. So you'll notice that uh, we don't talk that way today. And he was short in stature uh, is what he was. And uh, he climbed this tree. Now, if you've ever been down south, South Carolina, and you've seen these oak trees where the, the branches go out almost parallel to the ground, and it's very easy to climb those trees. That's the kind of tree that Zacchaeus found. And there he is above the crowd, looking to see Jesus. Jesus walking along. We don't know where exactly he is in the city. And he stops at the very place where Zacchaeus is in the tree. He looks up and as the song tells us, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. And Jesus says, I want to go eat with you. It's kind of interesting that Jesus would invite himself into somebody's house. But Luke says that Zacchaeus bounded down from that tree and joyfully took Jesus to his house. When you're trying to sort out what is the purpose of a story that the gospel writers include, often 
in the center of the story is where the author is trying to draw our attention. And so, as Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down because I want to go to your house, all of a sudden, the crowd or the people who had been watching this, they start to mutter. They start to talk amongst themselves. They start to rebuke Jesus. They start to make fun of him. And they're saying, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Notice that Luke says, all the people who saw this, all the people that saw this exchange between Jesus and Zacchaeus are muttering. So who's there? Well, it's the crowds. The Pharisees and teachers of the law have been tracking with Jesus' journey. There were local people from Jericho. Luke, drawing our attention, all began to mutter. Here's the difficult one. That's including the disciples. Everyone is muttering. Everyone is in disbelief of what Jesus is doing. So why? Why is everyone muttering? Why is this so offensive to people that they verbally are making note of it? Well, let's go back to some of the clues that Luke gives us. Luke says that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. And he was rich. He was a wealthy man. Back in those days, as many of you know, uh, the empire, the Roman Empire, lived off of taxing the people. And so those leaders didn't really get their hands dirty in that whole process. What they would do is say, okay, from this area, we need this much amount of tax. And then there would be these tax collectors that would say, all right, I will give you this much. And they start like a bidding. They'll say, we'll get you this much. Maybe this one say, I'll get you this much and a little bit more. But a tax collector would then represent the Roman Empire and be responsible to get those taxes that the Romans required to the government. But why would they want to do that? because they were the only ones that really knew what the government needed, what they demanded. And that tax collector could then take and do whatever he wanted, and everyone else would turn their eye. The government, the military, the police system, they would all look the other way, do what you want. I remember one time uh, that we were... uh, Uh, I was visiting a foreign country, and I was riding in this car. And as we're riding, uh, we come up to a stop sign, and the the police came over to the car, and they were demanding uh, money. And there was some reason for whatever the demand was. Um, 
it uh, ensued with an argument. We ended up not paying. We drove one more block to the next stop sign. And there was another group that came out and did the exact same thing. This was also what was happening when it came to taxes in the day of Zacchaeus. So you could be taking your goods from your farm and you could be traveling to Jericho and there could be like a taxation kiosk somewhere on the road and they can demand you to pay whatever it is in your cart and they're going to extract a tax out of you. And then you could literally travel another mile down the road and if there was, there could be another tax stand doing another shakedown because the tax collectors were simply fulfilling to the government what was wanted, but they could do the other things without anybody paying attention to it. They said, historians tell us that over time, 90% of the taxes coming into the Roman Empire came from agriculture, came from farmers. The earlier... uh, the earlier service, I said there was a system at the time of Jesus. This is just um, um, after the day of Jesus. But listen to how this particular Roman emperor would deal with taxes during his time. He sent surveyors to each person's property, and he measured every spot of land. He measured all the grape vines and olive vines that are olive trees that they had, the fruit trees. He made a list of all the animals of all their kinds in order to tax the assets of the landowner. Slaves were beaten to extract information on hidden assets of their masters. Wives were tortured to bear witness against their husbands and sons were strapped to a rack to force them to reveal their father's wealth. Assets, even under torture, were entered into the books, whether they were real or not. There was also a head tax. There was a tax on every child that was in a household. Every baby had a tax levy put on them. And if that didn't outrage the people enough, the emperor levied a death tax. So even when you died, there was a tax to be paid. When Jesus went into Zacchaeus' house, you start to feel now why the people started to mutter. Why they complained. Their hatred for Zacchaeus is coming out, isn't it? And they're saying, Jesus, who, don't forget, just moments prior after he gave sight to the blind man, they're all praising him. Jesus now enters the house of Zacchaeus. So again, why is it such a big deal? So I understand that they hated Zacchaeus, but there was a reason why, particularly the teachers of the law, resented it. 
Because the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they, they felt it was their duty to maintain the purity of the Mosaic law. And so out of that sense, there were two things that impacted not only their thinking, but their behavior. But they, they um, kept themselves pure. They kept themselves clean. And as a consequence of that, they kept themselves isolated. So there were laws that prohibited them from coming in contact with anything that would defile them, that would make them dirty. Remember how Luke includes the story of Jesus healing the blind man. It was very common that if you had a physical illness, if you had a physical malady, the question was, who sinned? That person or his parents? It was a consequence. If you had a problem, it was a judgment from God. Pharisees avoided all of that. And there was one line that a Pharisee would never break. And a Pharisee would never cross that barrier and eat with a sinner. Never go into the home of a sinner. There was only one sin greater than going into the home of a sinner. And that would be if you and I committed an actual sin ourselves. It was an inseparable barrier that never came down. And so here you have all these onlookers that's paying attention to this exchange between Jesus and Zacchaeus. And then Jesus says, I'm going to go into his house and I'm going to eat with him. You remember earlier in Luke, Luke 15, Jesus tells the story about the lost sheep, tells the story about the lost coin, tells the story about the lost boys. Those were all parables answering the question, why do you eat with sinners? If you are the Messiah, if you are the one that we have waited for, how do you do this? See, this is, this is where their thinking was taking them. Because we are clean, that person is not. I am pure, that person is not. I am righteous, that person is not. Because when you enter into somebody's home and you eat from their table, you have table fellowship. You create a mutuality as you sit together. There is a mutual acceptance. There is a mutual respect. And the Pharisees said, never. We're clean. They're dirty. When Luke tells us that the crowd murmured against Jesus is because he's breaking that unbreakable rule. You don't step into that place. You don't go into that house. And particularly Zacchaeus, 
who is the chief of all those that bring oppression upon us. As Jesus is in Zacchaeus' house, they're eating together. And the scriptures tell us that Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I give them back four times the amount. If you back up into Luke 18, you'll read that story about that rich young ruler that came to Jesus who wanted entrance into heaven, and Jesus said, sell what you have and give it to the poor. That rich person, Luke says, he went away sad because he had great wealth. But here, as he is in Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus responds differently out of his wealth. And that's the clue to the transition that's happened to him. Something has changed. This man that has acquired his wealth from cheating and abusing so many, something has happened. And he says, there's something more in my life now than just money. And Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house. Clearly, salvation, Jesus is referring to himself. The king of kings has come to this house. And Zacchaeus has changed as a result of meeting Jesus Christ. But he says, too, that this is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The difference here is that when the crowds murmured, when the crowds were expressing their frustration about who Zacchaeus was and the pain that he caused to them, that pain was only lifted from Zacchaeus when Jesus went into his house. Because the scriptures tell us that they murmured this toward Jesus. And Jesus, entering into Zacchaeus' house, he took Zacchaeus' shame on himself because everyone complained about what he was doing. We live in a day where the Christian faith has been highly politicized. And what I mean by that is that there are cultural trends that take the faith of those that follow Jesus Christ and they redefine what it means to be a Christ follower. And it's very easy for you and I to fixate on the behavior of people. It's easy for you and I to fixate on what somebody does. It's easy to say, pregnant teenager, shame on you. It's easy to say, troubled gambler, you should know better than that. It's easy to look at the immigrant and say, you don't belong here. 
It's easy to say to somebody that doesn't look like me, hey, I'm the majority. I rule. But that's what the culture dictates. It is not what Scripture says. And Jesus, a week after he took the shame of Zacchaeus, what did he do? He took your shame and my shame. And he hung on the cross. And he said, I love you this much that I take your shame upon myself. And even God the Father in his righteousness, he turned during that time because so great was the shame that Jesus took. First Alliance Church, Jesus is calling afresh you and I to live for Jesus Christ and allowing Jesus to define what that life is like, not the culture. Because there are people who know what it is to be rejected. There are people that know what it is to be isolated. There are people that know what loneliness feels like. So here we are. And there's two choices that the scriptures tell us. We can be those kind of people that pile it on and say, yeah, you undeserving person, you sinner. Or Jesus says, enter into the home. There are some of you as parents that because of the behavior of your kids, you don't talk to anybody about your struggles. You feel ashamed of what your kids do, so you don't tell anybody. Jesus said, I'm going to take Zach, I'm going to take Zacchaeus' shame on myself. I'm going to enter at his house. Jesus doesn't call those that follow him to hide. And Jesus doesn't call on those that follow him to see others any other way than other than how he sees them. They're lost and they need to be found. He doesn't call people dirty. He doesn't call people unworthy. He says, you're lost. And I am sent to seek and to save the lost. Jesus and his mission. As the Father sent me, Jesus says, now I send you. I send you to carry my mission to find the lost. And may his grace and his mercy just so change the lives of those we interact with because he will do it. When you step into a home, salvation enters into that home. May that graciousness find receptivity in that home. And when you sit with somebody over a cup of coffee, salvation sits at that table because you represent Jesus Christ. When you have somebody for lunch, isn't that wonderful? 
that Jesus says, my mission is so tied to hospitality. Remember I said last night, March and I had the privilege to sit with Pastor Scott and Cindy in their home. We sat around their table. We had a cup of tea and we had a lovely dessert. And we started to talk about our lives. Sometimes we just get so intimidated by living out the Christ life and sharing Jesus. But it's as easy as a cup of coffee and seeing somebody as Jesus sees them. Let's pray. As your hearts are receptive to the Holy Spirit, it's entirely possible that you describe yourself this morning, you say, you know, because of the pain I've experienced, because of the wrong done to me, because of the way my life has gone, I'm angry at everybody. The invitation for you is to come and experience Jesus' healing over those hurts. He can heal those memories. He can heal those wounds. He can heal that pain that you carry. The front of this church is open to you to respond to Jesus. You may be that person that's here today on Palm Sunday that says, you know, I don't come to church that much. I'm here because we're close to Easter. It's what we do. And maybe this morning you've heard that invitation of Jesus. I want to go to your house to eat. I want to fellowship with you. I want to be a part of your life. I want to just say to you that this is open to you in the front to come and say, Jesus, I receive you. I welcome you into my life. Let today, let Palm Sunday be a day you anchor a decision for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for these moments. As we worship you now, continue to be at work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.